All right, you're still stuck with me though, so thank you, everybody. Uh, let's just kind of transition as we have that time of prayer and that time of an update. Just transition our hearts now as we go to hear from the Word of God. So I encourage you to grab your Bibles uh, if you have them or your device and turn to our passage from Luke for today, Luke 4 31 to 41. Then Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. There, too, the people were amazed at his teaching, for he spoke with authority. Once, when he was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, cried out, shouting, Go away! Why are you interfering with with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the demon threw the man to the floor as the crowd watched. Then it came out of him without hurting him further. Amazed, the people exclaimed, What authority and power this man's words possess! Even evil spirits obey him, and they flee at his command. The news about Jesus spread through every village in the entire region. After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home, where he found Simon's mother-in-law, very sick with a high fever. Please heal her, everyone begged. Standing at her bedside, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. As the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed everyone. Many were, many were possessed by demons, and the demons came out at his command, shouting, You are the Son of God! But because they knew he was the Messiah, he rebuked them and refused to let them speak. Okay, this incredible story of authority, how Jesus is revealed as one with authority. Because we ask this question, who has authority? Who has the authority in our lives? I wonder if you even just kind of consider in your life, who, uh, like, what do you have authority on? Like, is there some sort of thing that you're the authority about? Like, what's the thing you know about? Uh, I even saw this Malcolm Gladwell quote this week that was uh, something like, everyone knows someone who knows more than them about something, right? Everyone knows someone who knows more than them about something. And that's even a good thought just like even for discipleship as we talk about a vision for discipleship that we all know somebody who knows more than us about something when it comes to our faith journey. And we probably know a little more about something that somebody else knows, right? And so we can help, we can receive and we can give. But even when it comes to being the authority on that, like maybe you're an authority on trees or pottery or running really far or anxiety or swimming in the ocean or teaching or the percentage chance of rain in any given area at any time. I don't know what you're the authority on. All sorts of people are authority on all sorts of different things. But what we'll see here in this story is that the one with the authority is the one who they just tried to kill in the story previous. 
that they just tried to kill for him saying, I'm the one with the authority. I can speak about this stuff. I am the one that is the Messiah. And they just tried to kill him. And now Jesus teaches in this place that you see here. This is the synagogue in Capernaum. This is, there's a, places in Israel where a lot of times you're kind of like, well, this story probably happened somewhere around there. This story happened exactly in this place that you see on the screen. Now, these marble ruins or, or whatever, white rock ruins, whatever they are. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't uh, be an expert on the rocks. I'm an expert on the stories a little bit more. But there is something about them that those are like third, fourth century of the synagogue. That's a little later on. But when you go to this picture, you see these darker stones at the bottom, that basalt there, those basalt stones, that's actually what that is, uh, those are the very stones of the synagogue of Capernaum that Jesus was inside. Like that actually happened right there in that place and you can stand in that synagogue. And so I feel like even as I say that, I, I know we've done a lot of advertising today about stuff, but like you can literally go there with me next year, April 1st to 13th. I would love to have you join me to go to Israel and stand in this synagogue and talk about this story there. We'll be opening that up in about a month. So yeah, you can stand in the place that this story happened, but it's not about the place, it's about the person. It's about Jesus. Jesus is the one with authority. And we see a few things about that authority as we go through this text. And the first is that Jesus' teaching has authority. So let's like, just remind ourselves, we just read it, but remind ourselves of 31 to 32. It says, Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and he taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. There Now, by the way, every Sabbath day, like he was there a lot, like he's doing this a lot. He's part of this community. There too, the people were amazed at his teaching for he spoke with authority. Now we know he's God, so we know that there's some level of like authority that he has that maybe the people don't understand yet with that. But there's what's uh, unique also about his teaching that is with authority is that the religious leaders of the time, the scribes, others, they would uh, speak from tradition, what they're traditionally supposed to say. They would cite sources. They would cite references when they're speaking. Jesus just says his words because his words alone have authority. He doesn't have to cite sources all the time. He, he does quote the Old Testament at times, but he just speaks with his own authority. And the people are amazed because it's different than the kind of teaching that they normally get, that Jesus in his words has this. And I think a lot of times when we'll read a story like this, we are uh, amazed at the, the miracles that take place in this story. The, the demons being cast out, the healings that are happening. But are we amazed at just the words of Jesus? to recognize that those words alone have authority for us and we should be equally amazed and, and even more submissive to the words of Jesus as authoritative in our lives. Because you see, everyone one day, everyone one day will recognize the authority of Jesus. One day we will, we will all bow down and submit to his authority. Now, we have the beautiful privilege to be able to voluntarily recognize that authority now 
and live our lives in that authority, right? We have that privilege to be able to recognize it now. I was talking to Tim and he was telling me about, uh, Tim Nelson, he was telling me about a friend of his who didn't recognize the authority of the federal government to be able to collect taxes. Uh, and so he's like, you know, they don't have that right. Like, I don't recognize their authority. And so he didn't pay his taxes for many years. And then he spent 18 months in a federal prison for not paying his taxes and refusing to. <laughs> Some applause. Yeah, we all like that. Yeah, sure. That sounds good. But he spent 18 months in prison. And when he got out, guess what he did? He paid his taxes after that. Because it doesn't matter if you recognize the authority or not. If it's authority, it's there no matter what you recognize. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day we will all bow down. But we have the privilege now to recognize his authority in our lives. And so let's submit to that. We don't just long for the miracle. We do, but we submit to the teachings and the words of Jesus as authoritative. And I just encourage you to be amazed by that like these people were. Are you amazed at what Jesus says? And then we see, though, as this story goes, not just his words, but his actions have authority. These things that he does. Verse 33, just to remind us again. Once... When he was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. And just as an aside here, yes, we believe that demons are real. The devil and his demons are real. And they, this, this demon cried out shouting, go away. Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him just with his words only. Be quiet come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the demon threw the man to the floor as the crowd watched. Then it came out of him without hurting him further. And again, these people are amazed at all of this. It says they're amazed. At, he has this authority to do this. And then he goes and then he heals uh, Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And so Jesus's actions have authority. And he has authority over both what we would what we'll call the supernatural realm and the natural realm. He has authority over the demon, and he has authority over the fever, right? He has authority over it all. Maybe we call it the, the unseen realm and the seen realm, right? Like, because it's all, it's all one. It's not like there's this separate realm over here and over there. Like, it's all layered on each other. There's just some parts that we, we can see now and parts that we can't see now. But for, it, for God and God's perspective, he sees it all, right? And so we see, like, all of that is there, and Jesus has authority over all of it, both unseen and seen. And it's cool that, um, I think it's cool that this is the first miracle that Luke gives us of Jesus doing a miracle, like as an, an adult, like after virgin birth and all that, right? Like, but as we've gotten in this time of ministry, this is the first miracle that Luke records, is this battle with demonic forces. And so as he's writing to Theophilus, this friend of his, to prove to Theophilus that he is, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's showing him that he has this, this power over even the demonic forces that we can come up against. 
And, and what he's doing in this story, if you remember the last couple weeks, we've talked about this Isaiah passage, this prophecy about the Messiah that Jesus reads and then says, this has been fulfilled right here in my presence right here. This scripture is fulfilled in me. Now he's actually doing it. So he said it before, the good news to the poor, the blind will see, that the, those who are oppressed will be, will be freed, that those are, who are prisoners will be released from their captivity, that he's coming in and breaking the chains of bondage to sin, of bondage to demonic forces, and he comes in and he changes all of it. And he has authority over all of it, and he's showing it to us with his actions. And so this demon thinks it has authority over this guy, and Jesus just is like, no, no. You have no authority in this place. Jesus does. And he comes and he just does it with, with his words. It's very calm. He just orders this demon to come out. Now, there's power in this authority, and there's like a, a certain kind of posture in this kind of authority, right? That Jesus comes and he has this, this confidence. Like, again, we know he's God, but he has also been sent by the Father, right? He is sent by the Father and he's empowered by the Spirit in very similar ways. We aren't God, but in very similar ways to how we are sent by Jesus and empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out into the world and to be witnesses for him and to do whatever it takes for that to happen. But authority, to understand it a little bit better, authority is in the power of the one who sends you. You don't have to necessarily have that authority. When we think about our lives, like it's, it's not like about us, like having something about us that makes us powerful or authoritative. It's kind of like a, a police officer is going out with this authority and sort of backing of the state that they can arrest you or fine you or imprison you or whatever, right? Like they have this authority to be able to have these certain consequences or this, these things that they can do or a, a soldier of the United States Army can go out and has the authority and the backing of the power of the entire U.S. military behind them, right? They're going with that kind of authority or a, or a lawyer who has the authority of the Constitution or the law behind them. It's not that they get to do something out of their own mind or will, but they have this backing of power. And so we have that same thing. We are sent by Jesus and indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God that you are a child of the king. As a follower of Jesus, you are a child of the king and you go out in that authority. You have been sent by Jesus and he empowers you to go out in that authority. You have the very Holy Spirit of God dwelling within you and so you go out with that backing to the authority that you've been given to pray, to pray like, declarative prayer of blessing, of healing, to pray for God to work in ways to proclaim the gospel. So we have this authority we've been given by God. And so we should live out of that authority. Now, Jesus expresses this authority, like I said, just with his words, just really simply with his words. And he just says, be quiet, come out of him. Now, there's all sorts of information. We've got a lot we want to do today. And there's, this is going to be one of those weeks I really encourage you to listen to the podcast because I could go, like this has like another hour's worth of content um, that we'll talk about. And so we're going to talk about even, even more uh, about demons, about how demons believe, you know, and like, so what does that mean to believe that we need to place 
our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, not just believing that he is who he says he is, that there's more to it. But when Jesus says, be quiet, it's the same words he says to the storm when he's on the boat. Be quiet, hush, be still. And Jesus is, doesn't want those demons to speak. There's all sorts of reasons he doesn't want the demons to speak, even some in the text here, that it's not time for everybody yet to totally know who he is. And I don't think what he wants is, you know, the, the first to proclaim he's Messiah are demons. That's not like how he's wanting the news to spread. But also I think it's that the devil is the great deceiver and his demons are messengers of that deception. And so we tell them to be quiet. And when you are praying in kind of a spiritual warfare, you're praying to God and you would speak to the enemy, you say, be quiet. Your voice has no place here. You are not allowed to speak. And you can say that with the authority of God's power behind you. That's what I want you to recognize and understand. It's not your authority. It's not your power. It's not your strength. It's God's, and he is backing you. And so you can step into that with boldness, and you tell him to be quiet because he will try to deceive you and trick you and lie to you. Don't allow him to speak. Jesus does not allow them to deceive. And even as we consider prayer here in this time, like, we, we pray in the name of Jesus, right? We're, we're told in the scriptures that we pray in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. I think a lot of us might need to just sort of like mix up the way we pray sometimes a little bit. Like, I think sometimes when we say in Jesus' name, amen, that's almost like our email signature or something. We've got it automatically tagged on the end and we don't think about what it says anymore. You understand what I'm saying by that? Like, it's just, is that just becoming sort of this mundane, rote language that you say? And maybe you need to pray at the beginning of your prayers and recognize that you stand in the power of Jesus of Nazareth. And now I pray this in the name of Jesus. And kind of like, just start, like, stop and recognize the authority that you come with when you pray. You with me in that? Like, I want you to recognize that. Yeah, amen, come on. We don't want to be flippant or meaningless with our words, but recognize that these words are important. And so let's, but it's this posture that we come with, this posture of recognizing the power that backs us. So it's not just his words, it's his actions. It's also his presence. Let's look at these last uh, few verses here, just to remind us of the very end of the story, 40 to 41. Uh, it says, as the sun went down that evening, which, by the way, that part means that this whole time, everything else he's done this day, the casting out the demon and the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, that was all done on the Sabbath. So that is an expression of authority. What Jesus has done is he's healed and he's like done sort of ministry work or whatever on the Sabbath, and he is, he is proclaiming through his actions that he's the Lord of the Sabbath. He will tell them that later with his words, but he's showing it now with his actions, that he can do whatever he wants because he is the Lord of the Sabbath, the creator of the Sabbath. As the sun went down that evening, as the Sabbath ends, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed every one. Many were possessed by demons, and the demons came out at his command, shouting, you are the son of God. But because they knew he was the Messiah, he rebuked them and refused to let them speak. And so Jesus has been expressing this authority 
with all of his words, with his actions, these healings. And now it's like even just if just he touches people and they're healed, right? That Jesus' presence, as we are in the presence of God, these people all were longing to be in the presence of Jesus. Now we know that God is everywhere and God also dwells within us. And so we have the presence of Jesus all around us, within us, and then like from one another, that the presence of Jesus is all around us. And so that's so grateful for that. But what I sort of just want to address a little bit of is um, there is also probably somebody on a trip down south to Jerusalem during this time. They were with their whole family, and they got a sick kid or a kid that couldn't walk or something like that, right? And they get back into town, and they hear about all this. And they're like, wait, what? No, I, that's not fair. Like, I didn't have a chance to have my kid go to Jesus and be healed. Because there's these moments for all of us where we think, like, why? Healing is healing's a really weird and hard thing, right? Like, how come some people are healed and some people aren't? You might have even heard me tell stories of God healing me when I was a baby. It's like significant things in my life. And you think, that's great, cool, cool for you, but that's not fair. Or you don't recognize, like, why do, why do things seem to happen for other people but not me? And, and I think about this, this too a lot. And I, I even think about, like, there's a story with my mom where my mom had this uh, this heart disease that we prayed for, and we felt like there was like miraculous healing. Like the, the doctors were like, we don't understand how her numbers could have improved in this way. It's not something that happens. The only thing that can happen is it would not get worse. That's what you should have been praying for, but it got better. And they're like, we don't understand how this could happen. Now, so like we celebrated that miracle, but then in the course of the next 10 years, my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and like died a way, honestly, I think like a way worse death from that than if she had to die to that heart disease. And she suffered for years and we suffered for years of that horrible disease of Alzheimer's and dementia. And so then you're just like, I don't know, like, what am I, what am I supposed to do with that, right? Like, what do I do with like, okay, so there's this cool healing, but then like, why that? Like, well, ha. Huh. You know, it could be frustrating or we could not understand. Now, I think, first of all, God is very, very open to our frustration and our not understanding, even our anger. We see David in the Psalms, very expressive in that way with the Lord. We see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, take this, Father, take this cup from me. He says, Lord, take this from me, this having to go die upon the cross, the cup of God's wrath upon him. Take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. That's, you know, that's this like recognition of wanting this to be taken, but okay, I'll do your will, Lord. That's a beautiful example in the midst of suffering. But also, I think we have to remind ourselves of the purpose of miracles, okay? The purpose of these healings that Jesus would do or these, these casting out these demons, these miracles that would happen. It wasn't just so that those people would have a temporary relief of their pain, right? That wasn't the purpose of the miracle. The purpose of the miracle was to proclaim that Jesus is the king of kings and he has come and proclaiming his kingdom and his kingdom is coming now here on earth. It will come again and he is the Messiah. And so we all bow down before the one that can do these things. 
That is the purpose of miracles. Not so that I can have a few years of my mom not having heart disease and then die of Alzheimer's. That's not the purpose. The purpose is to show that Jesus is the one with authority. Authority over the seen realm, the unseen realm, all of it. And he is who he says he is. God won't waste your pain. It costs so much, right? God won't waste your pain. He will work in you. He will grow you. He will be very, very present with you. But, and he's still called us to ask, to ask and to declare and to have faith and to be bold and ask in his authority for all these things. But I know it's hard. And so we sort of just recognize that it's hard, right? I acknowledge that this stuff is difficult. And I think Jesus does too when he says, Lord, take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. And so we just will, as this series goes, we'll continue to process this together. Because I believe, though, that these stories of Jesus and the scriptures as a whole tell us to ask, and to ask and declare in the authority that God has given us. And so we're obedient to that. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna practice that now. We're gonna practice that today. And today is one of those days, whether you knew it or not, today is one of those days where we have a focus in on prayer and an extended time of prayer in our service. And we are going to um, then practice and experiment with some of this stuff. And so part of this, what I want you to, to be able to do, we're gonna have a little time of praying alone and a little time of praying in groups of three, okay? So you might be like freaking out just by that and that's okay, we're gonna talk about it a little bit, all right? Uh, <laughs> Uh, now, part of this is what I want us to practice and experiment. It's like, again, sort of coming here, we're learning, we're growing in this service together. This is everything that's happening here is, is real and is it, but it's also a little bit practice for going out to living our lives for Jesus on mission in the world, right? And so we're gonna do this here and it's a safe place to make mistakes or say wrong things or whatever, but it's just like, let's practice together and encourage each other and build each other up in this. Okay? That's what this space should be for all of us. Now, we are going to practice taking on this posture of the authority that you have in Christ. And so when we pray today, I want you to first sort of recognize that authority that you have in Christ because of his backing, right? Because of all that power that backs you up, I want you to recognize the authority that you have in Jesus. And so we're going to practice some of that. Now, you're going to start uh, on your own, and we're going to start alone. And I just kind of want you to spend some time talking to God about this whole authority thing. Authority in Jesus. How do you feel about it? Do you think it's weird? Do you believe it? Do you not believe it? Do you struggle with it? Do you want to have more of it? Like, whatever. You know, just kind of process this with the Lord a little bit. Talk to God about how you feel about that. And I want you to pray and recognize then that authority and pray against any demonic temptation or deception in your life. Whatever, just, if there's other personal needs that are just weighing on you, to bring that <clears throat> to the Lord, okay? Then, then after that, we're going to have a time where we'll pray in these groups of three or four. I'm going to kind of set it up a little bit more now so that we can, I'll, I'll set it up uh, more briefly later. But to get into groups of three would be best, ideal three. If it's four, fine, but three allows you to be able to like actually pray a little bit more. That's the point, okay? We don't wanna just, we're not here to have like a nice chat for a little while. Just like share the things quickly and get to prayer, okay? That's, that's what we wanna do. So 
we'll, we'll do that in a, in a moment and we'll pray for one another for these personal needs. And we're also gonna pray for the, the mission and needs of our church a little bit as well, of us as a whole, as a community, okay? So let's start with this, just on your own. So even just kind of like, okay, take a breath. We've done a lot. We've done business meetings. We've done lots of talking. Just take a breath and relax. Put your stuff down if you need to. And you spend the next four or five minutes just alone with the Lord. Talk to him about these things on the screen. Go ahead and start, and I'll interrupt you in a few minutes.